Just Our Real Estate, episode number 240. Somebody will send me an email and they'll say this line, I've got $500,000 or I've got $300,000 or whatever it is, I've got $100,000 in my bank account and I want to start investing in real estate. That is one of the scariest things that I hear from people, <laughs> right? Because yeah. I'm like, I'm like, oh, oh, slow down. All right, guys, welcome to Just Our Real Estate. I am happy to have you here. My name is Mike Simmons. I am your host. And today I have an awesome interview lined up for you. I'm excited about it. I interviewed Brandon Turner from uh, Bigger Pockets and the Bigger Pockets podcast. Brandon just wrote a book on investing with little to no money down. And I interviewed him about that. We talked a little bit about his business. We dove into the content of the book. And I'm telling you guys, this is a very, very, very good book. I mean, it really answers all the questions in terms of funding and how do you fund a project and what are the various ways of doing it. And the cool thing is, is if you buy the book, there's an option to pay just a little bit more. And at the end, you get some audio interviews with some really cool people, some good investors. And I was lucky enough to be one of the guys that uh, the Brandon interviewed for the bonus audio portion of his book. So I suggest you check that out. It is really cool. And not just because I was a part of it, but uh, the book itself is just phenomenal, guys. So I really highly encourage you to check it out. And I'm excited to bring this interview. So definitely stay tuned for that. And uh, we're going to talk to Brandon and get really into all that stuff. Before we do, I just want to remind you, guys, listen, it's all about Finding the money and finding the deals, right? I tell you that all the time. Two activities of real estate investors is finding money and finding deals. And this interview and this show is all about funding, finding the money and getting the money to do your deals, right? But if you don't ever get the leads in, you never get the deals, right? You need to generate leads. And that's where Lead Propeller comes in. Now, Lead Propeller is not only a very, like a really great looking site, but it's also a domain hosting and you can also get a domain name when you sign up for Lead Propeller. I signed up about a month ago. My site is already bringing in leads. As a matter of fact, I, I just uh, actually wholesaled one of the houses that I that I got through lead, my Lead Propeller site and made really good money, guys. I'm telling you, Lead Propeller is the real deal. It's run and it's and it was started and founded by my buddy Danny Johnston, who's also been on the show. And I'm telling you, he's created a heck of a lead generating uh, website for you that you can go in and customize any way you like, basically. I mean, there's there's so many different looks to these sites, and you can put up your own information, obviously, your own contact information. These sites are laid out and designed and tested to be highly effective at getting sellers to give you their information and to and to you know and to basically uh, get them to have you call so that you can buy their house. So I'm telling you, go to my website at juststartrealestate.com. On the right hand side, there's a little banner on the far right hand side, lead propeller, click on it, go through that link because when you do, Danny is going to give you one month free. You can get your domain name, you can get your hosting, you can get your site set up and start generating leads without ever having to pay anything. At the end of the month, if you don't think it's everything that I'm telling you it is, 
you can cancel or when you find out how great these sites are and how wonderful and how awesome it is to generate leads through the internet, you will want to keep it up. I know you will. And if you do, it's extremely inexpensive to keep going. So go through my link, check it out, juststartrealestate.com on the right-hand side, click on Lead Propeller, go there and get your site up and running. You're gonna be happy that you did. Okay, let's get into the interview today with uh, Brandon Turner and his new book on ways to invest with little or no money down. Here we go. Okay, thank you for joining me here on Just Start Real Estate. I appreciate you being with me as always. I'm excited to have my guest on today. This is the actually the first book review I've ever done on the show, and it's uh, I don't read a lot of books, frankly. So it, it's because it's one of the few books that I've read lately, and and I really was so incredibly impressed with it that I reached out and said we have to talk about this on the show. And I have on the show again uh, none other than the the great, the wonderful, the intelligent. Brandon Turner from Bigger Pockets. Brandon, thank you for being back on the show. It, it is a real pleasure to have you here. All kidding aside, I, I've I've read the majority of your book. I won't say I read it all because it's huge, but it was so impressive to me. And uh, you were kind enough to send me an advanced copy to take a look at. So I, I really want to share this with my audience. I want to talk about it and dig into it a little bit. But before we do that, let's just kind of talk a little bit about, about who who you are and, and what you do in, in real estate and your brand of real estate investing and and just kind of familiarize everyone with exactly who you are. Again, we'll, we'll dive into this uh, this massive undertaking that you've recently finished. Wow, that was that was like the most impressive uh, introduction I've ever had. So, wow, <laughs> now I feel I feel pretty special. You lied to all these people and said I was you know all these great things. So thank you. Well, you paid me a lot of money <laughs> to do that. Yes, so. I did. I'll, I'll write you a check later. <laughs> uh, well, no, very cool. Well, thank you for having me on. I mean, I love I love this stuff. I love talking about it, and I love uh, hanging out on your show. So I'm I'm happy to chat. So uh, you asked, I guess, what what's been going on in my life? Is that the is that the first question? Yeah, here? let's talk about what you're. I mean, you've been on the show before, and I think people are familiar with you. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to say that you, you know, nobody knows who you are. I think everyone knows who you are, but let's just entertain the few people who maybe don't and talk about uh, what you do, who you are, and how, you know, your bigger pockets a little bit. Let's talk about that community and, and what you're doing in your business currently, and then we'll get into the book. Sure, sure. All right. So, uh, quick, uh, I don't know, minute long recap. Uh, I started investing in real estate when I was 21 years old. Today I'm 29. Uh, not today, but, you know, I'm 29 years old now. And, uh, Let's say I started at 21, bought a house, fixed it up, sold it, made a little bit of money, and I thought, man, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot better than my job. So I quit my job and just started flipping houses, which was good. Uh, my area is not the greatest for flipping, especially in 2007, 2008, 2009. And uh, so I picked up some rental properties in the meantime because the, the houses wouldn't sell and realized that I could actually uh, make a lot more from rental properties over the long term than I could from the short-term flip. So I became a rental property investor mostly. Uh, still do probably I've done two or three flips a year for the past five or six years, and uh, the rest of the time I'm just kind of acquiring rentals. So I think I'm up to 41, 42 units now, somewhere in there. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. I yeah. wasn't sure where you were. Okay. Cool. Yeah, so I'm right up there, um, and in that is like an, a 24 unit apartment building, and then a bunch of small multis, two unit, three unit, four unit, five units, and uh, and then a few single family houses. So I've kind of got 
a wide variety of different properties right now. And uh, okay, yeah, cool. So. And you are you are also the uh, uh, let's see if I get your title right, senior editor over at Bigger Pockets. Is that correct? Or am it's I sort of? We, it, it, it it's slowly transitioning. I actually recently, it's okay. a, you know, Bigger Pockets is a small company. We can call ourselves whatever we want. So I uh, I changed <laughs> yeah I changed my name to uh, uh, VP of Growth because that's my favorite thing that I spend the most time doing on Bigger Pockets is figuring out how to grow the company, uh, and that's what I love to do. So I actually you know I I got all the rental properties, bought the apartment complex. That made it so I didn't really have to work a job anymore. And that was when I was 27. And I realized very quickly that I was bored. Like, I mean, I had all my income paid for. I mean, all my bills were being paid for the most part. And uh, I mean, I'm not like retired at that point, but at least I didn't have to work. I could manage my rentals and right. uh, had a lot of free time. So I started a blog and started writing. And then uh, this senior editor position came open at Bigger Pockets, And uh, I jumped on it because I thought, well, that'd be fun to you know hang out on BP all day. I was there anyway. Sure. Might as well get paid to do it. And uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, slowly just kind of, uh, I guess, from there moved into just kind of general growth on the site. And so I do that as my kind of daytime gig these days. And I do real estate and uh, manage all my properties on the evenings and weekends. So Okay. Now, when you give yourself the title of vice president, does that come with a huge <laughs> raise too? Is, is Josh <laughs> obligated to give you a big raise to match your, your title? No, no. I, yeah, I could have called myself <laughs> CEO and he probably would have just laughed and said, do what you want. <laughs> Uh, exactly. But you ain't getting nothing extra. So no, <laughs> no. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's kind of fun. I mean, I I love Bigger Pockets for the like I said, the community and just hanging out, asking questions, and hanging out on there, and and you know doing the podcast and all that. We have a good time with that. So yeah, it's awesome. And I, and I should say, you guys have a great podcast over at uh, Bigger Pockets. And I I would say without a doubt, Bigger Pockets is the most reference. It's the most uh, mentioned reference in my. Uh, podcast over the last year that I've been doing this 200. I think this is episode 240 wow. that we're on now. Uh, it's definitely the most referenced thing that I talk about. I, t- I talk about it all the time because, frankly, it's a it's a really great resource. It's a great website. Um, I've met some you know fantastic people on there, and I've met people actually as a result of having been on your podcast too. It's you know opened some open up some relationships for me. So I definitely owe a lot to you guys, and it, and it's a it is a fantastic uh, site with full of just tons of good great people. Really, I mean just just wonderful community so that's very cool and and uh yeah it's it's definitely something that i recommend people go and check out all the time oh well thank you i really appreciate that yeah it's awesome now okay so that's a little bit about how who you are you know you started off flipping houses economy turned a little bit you went to rentals i mean you're still doing two or three flips a year it sounds like so that's you know for some people that's that's their flipping business right two or three flips a year so yep. that's nothing to sneeze at and, and flipping you know brings in that quick cash and, and i'm sure that helps you invest in in your rentals and things like that so that's a very cool strategy and I, you know one of the things that i talk about on the show all the time and you know my opinion has been solidified i I had this opinion prior to starting the podcast, and I've had the opportunity, the pleasure of inter- uh, interviewing a lot of really smart investors. And a lot of them I found on Bigger Pockets, frankly, but just a lot of great investors. And the opinion has been solidified that there are two main things that a real estate investor should always be doing above all else. And we talk a lot about, in, in your podcast, I know you do, and I talk about in mine, about working in your business as opposed to working on your business. And when yep. you're working on your business, to me, the two main activities that all investors should should concern themselves with is finding the money or finding funding or figuring out funding and finding deals, right? Yep. 
because if you're not finding deals, you're not you're not an investor. And if you do find deals and you can never fund them, well, that's going to be a frustrating existence for you too. And you know, you can talk about wholesaling and things like that, but essentially finding the funding and finding the deals. If you're really good at both of those things, everything else will fall into place. And frankly, you can probably hire out a lot of the other stuff that needs to be done in between. And your book, the reason I love it so much is I feel like there's an awful lot out there about how to find deals. Everyone will talk about how to find deals. And frankly, between the two things, finding deals and finding funding, there's a lot of people out there who can find deals for you, but I don't know of too many people that find funding and hand it over to you or, you know, figure out how you can buy the deals that that come across your plate. So this book about about the funding, it's right, how to fund your 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 deals with little or no money. I mean, that's like that's that's really the golden ticket. If you can manage that, boy, this this business really opens up for you. It, it does, and and you know we really struggled when we, when I wrote this book. I mean, I I struggled a lot with the idea of calling it having anything to do with no money down, right? Because that phrase has been used so much and abused yep. so much that you know I really had a hard time with it. But it really comes down to it. I mean, what the concept is all about: creative investing. It's being creative in your real estate, uh, and that's why I decided to change the title any uh, you know a little bit. So instead of like a book on no money down, uh, it's the book on no and low money down. And so the idea right. is, yeah, even even like the the really good, cool strategies usually require something out of pocket. Uh, and so, you know, we really try to explore that a, a lot. But, but you know, an- another aspect of that is a lot of people look at the no money down thing and they think, you know, you it's all about being broke, right? Like, so it only appeals to people who are broke. Uh, but what I like to emphasize is that it has nothing to do with being broke. Because, I mean, you know, even like the biggest real estate investors in the world probably put less money in their deals than I do, right? Like the, the more advanced you become, the more you use creative investing. And that's yep. kind of the, yeah, one of the focus of this book is definitely, it doesn't matter where you're at. Everybody could use an extra couple deals a year. You could double your deal load if you didn't have to worry about putting as much money in. Yeah, and I think you're right about that. And the people that I talk to, I'm not really, I'm like the opposite of you. I'm I'm like a flipper, but I do like, I'll buy like a couple of rentals a year kind yep. of thing. So um, I'm kind of the, the the polar opposite, I guess, or the, the yin to your yang. But um, when I talk to people who do buy, you know, who do long-term investing, like you're talking about buying hold, rarely as they get more experienced or get more rentals do I hear them say, I put more and more of my own money into it. It's usually yep. the opposite. They put less and less of their own money. They leverage money. You know, they, they leverage partnerships and, and all kinds of other things. And w- what I love about the book is you make it very clear in the beginning that it's not a get rich quick and it's not like this magical you don't need any money from any source anywhere and and you're just going to have people handing over the keys to their house without any sort of secure it's not like that you take a really good practical approach and I would say you almost seem to go out of your way to make sure that people understand that this is like real world like ways of financing houses. It's not some trick that yep. you're trying to get them to think this is all a big, you know, magical game that that anyone can do and it's like so easy. It's not super easy, but it's definitely doable. I mean, yeah. there the techniques that you lay out, I mean, some of them I've never heard of. I've never heard anybody doing some of this stuff. So it was great read in that sense. But I just I just like that you're very practical and very down to earth about it. And I think that that's that is what's needed in our industry because there's an awful lot of people that will try to convince you that you know this is basically some sort of magic that you perform yep. and, and you become rich overnight. And yep. it, you even said honestly in your book that you've been doing this for uh, seven years now, and you're not a millionaire, and you're not driving a Corvette, and yep. you know you, your house isn't overlooking the cliffs of Maui. I mean, that's that's <laughs> that's just the reality of it. I mean, if someone tells you that. 
that you're going to be a millionaire in a year, you might as well just ignore what they're saying because they're, yep. they're a liar. That's exactly it, right? I mean, like real estate, like creative investing is really hard. I mean, it's not like it's yeah the the less money you put in the more moving parts you have the more things you have to be careful of and make sure that things are going right and that makes everything more complicated i mean if i just had a million dollars in my bank account right now i could write a check for any property i wanted to uh, that's easy that's that's very easy uh, but you know doing it the other way it's very difficult but i'm okay with that you know i'm i'm okay with that trade and uh because i don't want to wait till i'm 65 to start investing i don't want to wait until i have a million dollars in the bank to buy my first property i want to do it now and i want to you know, I want to get started. And in order to do that, I was forced to try to get creative. And I think that's what a lot of, you know, people listening to this are probably in that, those same shoes of, I don't have a lot of money right now. I don't have a ton. I, I want to get started now though. And I don't want to save for 20 years. Right. And you know, the point that you made there, if you had a million dollars, you could write a check for a million dollars worth of property. But if you had a million dollars in the bank and you only purchased a million dollars worth of real estate, you're not really doing it very well, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's not the point. Yeah. And it's like you said, it's not about being broke or irresponsible. Like you say in the book, this is what you should do even if you have money. You yep. should do it this way because A, you're right. It does make you more responsible with what you're doing. You're more careful and you talk a lot about being conservative in the book. And I love that because, you know, you know, this podcast is just start real estate, right? And the implication is just get out there and get going, get started. And I really do advocate that, but not like irresponsibly and not yeah. wildly and, and like risking money in, in, in a nonsense way. Like I want you to get started, but honestly, you should do it in a in a conservative and thoughtful approach to it, right? I, I can't in good faith say that I started my real estate investing business and just completely threw caution to the wind and start taking reckless, you know, risks with my money or my investors' money. I, I never do, I never have, and I never will. But I'm very aggressive within a framework of conservativeness that I like to use yep. when I'm investing. But and I like how you talk about that, just being conservative. But there's ways you can do this without being rich. Yes, and you know one thing that it always scares me. Somebody will send me an email and they'll say this line: "I've got five hundred thousand dollars, or I've got three hundred thousand dollars, or whatever it is. I've got a hundred thousand dollars in my bank account, and I want to start investing in real estate." That is one of the scariest things that I hear from people, <laughs> right? Because yeah. I'm like, I'm like, oh, oh, slow down, slow down, like. Like you're going to go and that's what people do when they have no money. I mean, when they have a lot of money, they go out there and they just buy something because they're like, I, they have the money. They don't need to work at it. They don't need to work that hard at it. And so I would actually like, I mean, I would, I caution almost everyone who says that, that I have a lot of money. I want to go and buy something. Uh, I tell them, slow down. You need to spend even more time learning because uh, it's, yeah. it's so easy just to go, oh, you know, whatever. I can pay a little extra for this property. I can, I can, you know, whatever. It's okay. I got the money. I can afford it. It's just yep. the quickest way to buy a bad deal is by, you know, not looking at the numbers as close as you should. Yep. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And for me in my business, one of the best things that, that happened to me was I got private funding very early on. And there's nothing, there's nobody who will be more honest with you about your assessment of an investment property than a private lender. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? If you, you can try to convince yourself of anything, but you're not going to push it past them, right? Yep. They're going to be completely honest with you. And there was a lot of times where what I wanted was, was starting to supersede what I should do. And uh, private investors will get you straightened out in no time if that's the way you're approaching things. So. That's exactly true. Yep. Now, I've heard you talk also, uh, a confession, like I said, I, I listen, not a confession, that sounds like it's a bad thing, like I'm <laughs> confessing to you. Uh, I listen to the Bigger Pockets podcast religiously, and I, I hear 
most of the episodes, if not all of them. And I've heard you talk in the past about how you got started in real estate. And I know you're a big advocate of it. And that's the buy uh, like a duplex, live in one side, fix it up, rent out the other side. And then that's you know a good way for some people to get started in, in real estate. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? I know you got a section about owner-occupied investment properties. Is that what you're talking about there? Is that the point of that? It is. It is. And there's there's two ways to do it. I call it I call it a, a term I coined house hacking. It's the idea, yeah, of living. It, it's using your primary residence as an investment. And there's some really cool reasons why you want to do that, especially when it comes to financing. Uh, and most of those revolve around the idea that the government has some insured loans that you can get for real low down payments, like, you know, three and a half percent down. And even if you're, you know, a veteran or you live out in the middle of nowhere, like I do, you can get USDA loans and those are 0% down. Uh, Those are, you know, amazing, but, and, and they're usually good for one unit, two unit, three unit, or four unit buildings. And so the idea is, so I bought a property when I was uh, 22. So 21, I bought my first, actually, before I tell you that story, let me, there's two ways to house hack. There is the flipping house hack and there's a rental house hack. So the flipping house hack is you buy a single family home, you live in it, you fix it up and you flip it essentially, but it's your own house. You're flipping your own house. It's a live in flip. Some people call it. Right. Uh, so that's the one side of things. And, and the great part about that, of course, is if you live in it for two years, now I'm not a tax guy, but you can check with your CPA and all that. But uh, typically you don't pay taxes uh, when you live in a property for two years and you sell it. And again, there's a few things that have to go with that. But you know, you could live in a house every two years and move and every one of those make fifty or $100,000 in profit and it's tax-free. It's really one of the most incredible tax uh, you know, loopholes, benefits, whatever that we have in today's tax code. Uh, right. So that, yeah, that's how I actually started. My very first property was a live-in flip. I flipped it. It made about, yeah, $20,000, $25,000. I thought that was amazing. Uh, you know, I was house hacking before I even knew what it was. And then I bought a duplex and uh I, I, it was two houses on one lot. We paid, I think, it was seventy thousand dollars for it, somewhere around seventy. And uh, I lived in the back house, a little one bedroom, and I rented the front one out for six fifty. Well, my whole payment was only six ten, and so I was living for free and actually that's getting. Awesome. Yeah, it was great. Right, I was getting paid to live. Uh, as a side note, that's totally unrelated to how cool that is. We found out a few years later. We kept getting pictures, people taking pictures of the house. Like my, the tenants in the front would be like, there's always flashes of light every few days coming through the windows and people are driving by. I had no idea why. And uh, I thought the county was like appraising it or something like that. So we find out like three years later, a bunch of uh, Swedish tourists knocked on the front door. My tenants a- answered and they wanted a tour of the Kurt Cobain house. And we found out this house was uh, the Kurt house. Oh. Yeah. Kurt Cobain was born in. And, no uh, way. Yeah. Like not physically, you know, labor on the floor, but like the, his parents' first house that he was born in, he actually lived in both houses. Uh, they lived in the back one for uh, six months, and then he moved when he was six months old to the front house, lived there for a year, and then moved out. So I'm the only person oh. alive that can say I own two of Kurt Cobain's houses. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, That's isn't that claim to fame right there? I don't, isn't that awesome? I just that should I, be your tagline on all of your <laughs> business stuff. I own two of Kurt Cobain's houses. Yeah, I was just t- telling some friends the other day that I should put that as my Twitter now, like because that's a cool like you know on my Twitter I should put that up there. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Kurt but Cobain two. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So so I mean I wrote a blog post a long time ago and I said how I ended up buying two of Kurt Cobain's homes and why that's not the best part. Because the best part is that every month now, I moved out, right? I moved out five, six, seven years ago now, something like that. Wow, it's been a while. I moved out, and every month now I make a decent, you know, th- I think I'm at like three or 400 a month after paying utilities and stuff, three or 400 a month in uh, cash flow on that property. And it just, it just rides forever. And, like, you know, it, my mortgage payments the exact same because when you move out of a house you lived in that was a primary residence, you don't have to get a refinance. It's a lot of people think you have to go and get a new loan, but nope. I just turn that into a rental and it's 
cash flow me forever. I'll, I'll probably hold it for 20, 30 years. Uh, and it, every month it's just like a, you know, a gift at Christmas time. I just get that check in the mail. And I love it. That's awesome. Now, I, I hope you're like, when you market this for renters, when you have people moving out, yeah. that you tell them it's Kurt Cobain's house. <laughs> and frankly, you should you should be marketing toward like people in their like late, I mean like mid 30s to mid 40s. Yep. People who would be impressed with the fact that they had Kurt Cobain's house. <laughs> well, I got this you cute. Double I got, and triple your income. Right? I know. I feel like I feel like I could get a lot more. I've thought about turning into like a vacation rental, but I never actually, you know, uh, the, the tenants I have in there have been there for several years now. Little The lady in the back's been there since the day I moved out whatever this six seven years ago was now and a uh, little keto like 90 year old woman living back there who has no idea who Kurt Cobain is I'm sure uh, <laughs> you could make it like the Graceland for Kurt Cobain and just put like posters and like stand-ups of them in the yard there you go it'd like, be super tacky but uh, <laughs> well what I I think I what I will do is I'm gonna get a plaque just stick a plaque on the front like because everyone loves go. taking pictures of plaques right like I don't know why but <laughs> exactly. yeah I'll put a plaque though so they'll stop taking pictures of the house and take it more of the plaque I think so we'll that's see. hilarious. That's yeah. so funny. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, yeah no, I, I love that property. That's awesome. So, all right. you Again, we're, we're going through this book, and, and I, man, I, there's just so much in here. And what I was impressed with is I, I, knew the, I knew the title of it. I knew it had to do with funding and little to no money down and no money down. But as I'm going through this, this really gives people a lot of great information about different kinds of loans. I know you talk about like 203Ks and FHA and VA and USDA, which I never even heard of before, yep. um, which is like great. I mean, these are questions that I sometimes get just from the people that I talk to and I can't even answer. I couldn't answer them until now. So I'm like reading some of these, like some, I got to be honest, some of the chapters I went through, I'm like, okay, I think I know about that. I, I've done that. Wait, I don't even know what that is. I start reading that. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like I want to like fill in the gaps because there's definitely a lot of gaps in my knowledge and I didn't know what a US uh, DA loan was. So that's awesome. I mean, talk about personal brands and, you know, just partnerships too. Let's talk about partnerships a little bit. Where sure. do you stand on partnerships? What do you think about that? Is it a good way for people to get into this business? Do you recommend it? What do you think? Sure. I, I do. I love, I love partnerships. If I had to pick one out of this whole list of creative, you know, investing all the chapters, I'd say partnerships are probably my favorite and the one that I do the most often. Uh, yeah. I, I love it because, right. Cause nobody has everything they need to invest in real estate. Nobody has, um, the money and the time and the knowledge and the experience all rolled into one. Very few people, I should say, have that. So we're all lacking something. And so when you can find somebody who complements what you're lacking, you can do really, really cool things. And, and, and one of those things is the idea of investing with little or no money out of pocket. So I did a flip a couple years ago, um, a year and a half ago, a year ago I sold it, I think. Anyway, so I did this flip with some partners and uh, they fund, uh, they lend it. Let's see, they put down... 20%. Now, this is kind of a creative way to do it. Like, it's not just one even method. This is several methods combined in one. But they put down 20% of the down payment, uh, which was, uh, I think we bought it for 60. So I think they put down 12 grand and then about 20,000 worth of repairs. So they funded the down payment and the repairs. Then we went and got a uh, private money loan from somebody else I knew for the rest of it, for the actual, the, the 40, whatever, some thousand dollars or 48, I think it is, of the actual right. uh, house. Uh, and then combined, and then I managed the flip. So I make sure the contractor showed up on time, blah, blah, blah. And in the end, we split the deal 50-50. And I think I made $15,000 off something off that deal. And then with the same couple, I went and bought a triplex uh, right after that. And, uh, you know, on that triplex, we paid, I think, seventy or 60000 for this triplex. And uh, we've been cash flowing all the, I mean, we make, that's one of my best properties I own. And on that one, they put down the entire down payment. And we went to a bank and got a 30-year fixed mortgage on this property. And uh, they got the loan in their name because I couldn't get any more mortgages. I'm already tapped out on the number I can have. 
And so they got the loan in their name, but both of us are on title. And so That's we, awesome. yeah, we split the money every month. We split 50, 50, all the, anything that goes wrong, we're going to, we're going to tackle it. But I, I take care of it. I, I manage the property manager on it and make sure things are getting done correctly. And uh, that whole deal was, a, I mean, no money down, not a penny into that thing. Uh, I don't think, I mean, I think maybe I put down the earnest money to begin with at the very start of 500 bucks, but um, yeah, those are the things that, you know, and, and a lot of people say this, I mean, this is a common question. Well, Brandon, why do you deserve to get 50% if you didn't put any money into it? I mean, this couple that came to me, they put in nothing. I mean, they put in a good chunk of money. I put in nothing. Why shouldn't right. they get a hundred percent? And the simple fact is like that, um, how's that phrase go that a hundred percent or 50% of a great deal is better than a hundred percent of no deal. Exactly. Yeah. So they would have gotten, I mean, they're not investors. They don't even know what, you know, any of this is. They don't know what, I mean, nothing like they're, they, all they know is they want to get a return on investment. And so they're making a good return right now. They love it. And they would have nothing without me. I would have nothing without them on this deal. And, uh, together, you know, one plus one equals five in this case. So, yeah. And you know, it's funny because that argument I hear made from both sides, <clears throat> I know you, you, we talked about this, you and I, that I started off and I still do some, uh, 50, 50 profit split deals with private investors because yep. I put zero money into it. Just like you were saying, zero money into it. I find the houses though. I hire the contractors. I oversee the rehab. I make sure things are done on time and on budget and I get the house sold. The investor who puts the money in does nothing and we split it 50, 50. And I've had people say, yeah, but you're giving up 50% of your profits. Yep. <laughs> and it's, it's the same argument. You're yep. right. But if I don't have the money to do it myself, Nobody makes money. Like there's no money for anybody. And frankly, how many deals can you do where you put zero money into it? I mean, you can do as many as time you have available in your life because if you have someone who's investing the money and you're doing the work, money is no longer an obstacle. I yep. mean, that that opens up that you can really scale your business that way. You really and can. You really rather can. than sit around and do one deal a year because that's all you can afford to do. What if you could do 10 deals a year and, yep. and you're making less on each deal, but you're making exponentially more? I mean, that argument is made from both sides, right? And it is. And both sides are 100 percent justified in doing it. And both sides are getting a great deal for yep. for different reasons. But they're getting you're both getting a great deal. So. Yeah, I, I think that that's a huge, and that's my preferred method too. I, I said at the beginning of this uh, um, discussion that I, after my first deal, I've never put a dime of, of any money into any deal that I've done since, and that's exactly how I've done it through private lenders. And you know, as you go and as you build a, a reputation and you get experience and, and you get that credibility, sometimes you can find better, like negotiate better terms. But essentially, I'm doing profit splits, whether that's 50-50, 60-40, 70-30. I'm doing profit splits where I'm putting no money into it, and the investor is putting no work into it. Yep. And, and the returns that they're making are destroying any other investment that they have. I mean, it's just hands down the best investment they have going on. So they're happy to do it. I mean, that's just a great strategy. Yep. And it's all about, like like you kind of said there, it's about the win-win, right? Like they're going to get better than they can get elsewhere. You're getting better than you can get elsewhere. Both sides win. So when people are saying, well, why do they deserve it? I'm like, well, I don't I don't really care what you think. I mean, my partner likes it. I like it. So it, it works for us. Uh, you know, the only thing I'd caution people is, and this was with every creative investing strategy, is to be conservative. We talked about that earlier, right? Because if, you if you're splitting the profits with somebody, it means you're making half as much. So rather than, you know, doing a deal that's going to make you $1,000, that's not going to be worth it. You know, you just got to sure. be more conservative conservative, get a better deal, fight for a better deal and, uh, you know, make a little bit more hopefully, or just do, you know, maybe do twice as many deals. Like you said, I mean, if there's not, if the financing isn't limiting you, then why not do more deals? Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. Now you also talk about, uh, home equity lines of credit and, and, and I'm sorry, home equity loans and lines of credit. 
Have you ever used those methods to invest in real estate? What, what's your experience there? Do you have any like personal experience with that kind of investing? Sure, sure, a little bit. Um, so I, I've done a home equity line of credit on a property. I bought it and I had a little bit of equity in it. Went to the bank, got out a twenty something thousand dollar line of credit on it, uh, and then I went and used that twenty thousand dollar line as a down payment on another property. Uh, and yeah. so like that, that's kind of how it works. Um, there's a lot of different ways you can do it. There's lines of credit and there's uh, loans, uh, all based on your home equity. Uh, there, there's some guys I know that will go out and get, they've got a $250,000 line of credit uh, just to do whatever they wanted with, with real estate. Now, I don't, I've never gotten that lucky and I don't have that kind of bank connections, but you know, <laughs> they're, they're, it's all possible, right? Like, um, because again, the beautiful part is like you can you can use the equity kind of for whatever you want to. So you know, if you want to buy real estate with it, you the equity is on your primary residence, and uh, you can use it to you know go buy a new car. You could go and go on a vacation. That's what most people use it for. Uh, but that is a waste of money. I mean, if you go and take your home equity line of credit and go blow it on something that's just a, a liability in your life, I mean, you're going to be worse off than you were when you started. But you buy Absolutely. an asset with it, like real estate, uh, and then. You're just using it as equity on that next property and the next, and you can it's you can do amazing things with this stuff. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, that's the wealth building mentality as opposed to, you know, I want a new car kind of yep. mentality. Which, exactly. Yep. You know, you're right. Most people do that. That's exactly what they do. Um, but you know, that's that's why we're different, right? That's why, that's why we don't fit in. <laughs> that is why we don't fit in. <laughs> now, you also talk uh, about, we talk about private lenders and you go into a lot about, you know, who's a private lender and and how to pitch a private lender and, and some of the pitfalls and things. And I don't want to get into like the legal issues of raising money. You, you do talk about that. Um, I, you know, I'm definitely not equipped to to get too far into that. Um, but it's but it's in here. I mean, that's it's in the book. And that's something people should understand that there are rules and regulations to raising money. You know, you can't just go out and advertise, I need yep. money. And I'll give you, uh, I guarantee you, I'll give you fifteen percent. All the stuff that people you see, people do it, but it's 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 wrong and it's it's not legal. And you got to be really really careful about that. Yep. Um. An, another great method of of like little or no money down, and it's something that I haven't done. So I say it's great, even though I haven't done it. But um, lease options and like you know wraparound lease and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um. Can you? Talk just a little bit about what that is, just generally. You don't have to go too deeply, but what is a lease option for people who don't know? Sure, a lease option is a lot like a you know you might hear another term rent to own, and uh, that's kind of the more popular, at least the more consumer side, is you would say rent to own. So when I'm going to go and do a lease option, I'm not going to advertise a lease option. I'm probably going to advertise a rent to own, uh, but it's the same concept. The idea is there's two transactions going on in one. There's a rent. And then there's a option to buy. So an option is a legal document that says that I have the ability that what, you know, party A has the option to buy it from party B anytime in the next X amount of days, years, months, weeks, whatever. Sure. Uh, and so that, I mean, that's like the legal thing. I mean, essentially this is how it would work. And this is, I mean, I'm, I'll tell the story right now. I'm doing this exact thing for a buddy of mine. He comes to me and says, Brandon, I have this house that I bought that I don't have a lot of equity in it. I don't have a lot of money into it, but I don't want to deal with it. I'm moving. I got money from my parents to buy a new house. I just don't want to deal with this house, but it needs some work. I don't have the money to fix it up. I just want out. Will you buy it? And I said, well, you don't really have any equity. I can't really buy it from you. I mean, I, I mean he's got a little bit of equity, but not a ton. I think ten or $15,000 maybe. And so what we decided to do is I'm going to do a lease option with him. And so I'm going to rent it from him and I'm going to pay him $600 every single month. So I'm renting it from him. And then I'm going to sign an option agreement with him uh, that says I have the ability to buy it for $60,000 um, anytime in the next 
I think we did five years. And so I'm okay. paying him 600 a month and I can buy it for $60,000 anytime in the next five years. Now I'm going to go out and find a tenant to rent that and I'll probably get $900 a month for rent. Uh, somewhere right around eight eight fifty to nine hundred dollars a month rent. So then, uh, I'm gonna rent it out, and I'm gonna keep the difference. So I'm making nine hundred. I'm paying him six. I get to keep the difference of three hundred dollars. Now, granted, not I won't get to keep all that. There's gonna be repairs. There's gonna be maintenance. There's gonna be you know vacancy. I'll have to make sure I save up for all that. However, the kicker is in the fact that I get it under contract for sixty, which means I can sell it then for 70 or 75, 80, sometime in the sure. next couple of years. And so, right. yeah, and I won't need a real estate agent, hopefully, because hopefully I'm gonna sell it to whatever one of the tenants. I might even do a rent to own to a tenant. So I'm doing a rent to own on one side from my buddy, and then I'm gonna rent to own it to somebody else uh, for a little bit more, maybe 10 or $15,000 more. And uh, I'm just working as a middleman. It, it's kind of a unique strategy. There are some There are some issues associated with it, like, Certain mortgages will have in there, like if I, if my buddy's mortgage said that uh, a lease option is, you know, I guess what's the word? It's called a do on sale clause. But if, if basically the bank says you can't do a lease option or else we have the right to call the note due, then that that's a risk because I don't want, you know, the bank calling the note due on my buddy. And so that's the only downside. The main downside of a lease option is you got to be careful and make sure you're not breaking any do on sale clauses. Or if you are, make sure that you can handle that. Yeah, exactly. That's that's pretty key, but that's that's kind of a cool strategy. I mean, it's it's like um, you know, like a two-layered lease option, which yep. you know, it just goes to show that there there really are a million ways to buy investment properties or to buy properties in general. There's just so many different ways to do it that you know, I don't know if I would recommend that for like the first time, yep. you know, real estate, you know, investor guy who has never bought a property, but it's not it's it's more complex but it's not ridiculously complex i mean it's just the same principle applied twice and like you said as long as you're not breaking any contractual things in the mortgage it, no big deal but yeah i mean it's it's definitely something that it's a little bit more advanced but it's it's certainly doable and okay so i'm i'm looking i'm looking at uh, some of the things i want to talk about here and you you talked about seller financing and i think this is like a really it's a really cool way of getting into a property without you know, usually seller financing comes up when there's a discrepancy between what the seller wants for their house and what you're willing to pay, right? So there's creative ways then to get into that house. Can you talk a little bit about seller financing? Just a little bit. What is it exactly? What is seller financing? I know people have heard the term, but there's I guarantee there's people out there who don't even know what seller financing means. Sure. Yeah. So it, it, very basic is the idea of seller financing means that the seller is acting like the bank, which means you don't have to go to another bank to get a mortgage. You're going to pay them. So you write a mortgage contract or, or, or a, uh, a note to the seller and you guys both sign it. And now you're paying them every month. Now, the, the, the caveat with this means is that uh, they have to own that home free and clear. I mean, they exactly. can't. Yeah, they can't have a mortgage on it. They. I mean, that that goes into the the other concept of uh, of breaking the due on sale clause. And it's not illegal, but it is risky. Write it down if you want to learn more about that. Just go search the web. There's a lot of information on due on sale clause. Uh, yep. But that's a whole different show right there. Uh, exactly. So yeah, but so typically I just recommend if you're gonna do seller financing, make sure that the sellers own it free and clear. They don't have a mortgage. Uh, so for example, I, that's how I bought my 24 unit apartment complex. We bought it. Uh, the sellers had it. They owned it free and clear. Uh, they were a retired couple that just wanted to get income every month. Like all they, they didn't want a big chunk for their 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 
property. They wanted every month consistent money. So they sold it to me on a contract on seller financing, it's called. And uh, every month I pay them, I think it's $3,700 a month to them. Uh, That funds their entire retirement. They're traveling the country in an RV right now. Like they go out every winter and travel uh, down south. And so it works out great for them. They love it. Uh, It works out great for me. I think I got into that entire deal for $15,000, which I borrowed from my parents. And so, uh, yeah, there's definitely creative ways to use uh, seller financing to invest in real estate if you can find those kind of deals. Yeah, and that's key. I was gonna. I was hoping you were gonna cover that. That they definitely have to own it free and clear. That's really the only way to do it. Yeah, I mean, without it's the best way. To, yeah, without yeah. getting really weird and complicated and really risky, yeah. it's the best way to do it. But it's available out there, like you said. Some people don't need that big chunk, and and I I've, I've heard. I, I don't do sell. I haven't done seller financing yet, but <clears throat> it's one of those things too, where if you if there's if there is a, a gap, you know, they want ninety five thousand, you only want to give them seventy thousand, but maybe they'll sell their finance with zero interest for five years or something. I mean, there's there's ways that you can use seller financing that are. Yep creative and, and and it's a win-win, right? It's it's a good thing for everybody involved. And a lot of times, yeah, it's great because they're fi- you don't have to go get money, right? They are the money. They're they're playing bank in that situ- in that situation. So, I mean, it's an incredible powerful way to to buy properties without needing a, either a bank or a private lender. So, it can work out really well for for everyone. It's not uh it's not a situation where anybody's going to take advantage of. That's for sure. It's a, it's a really great way of of doing it. Yep, that's and true. The, and then you also talked about wholesaling. Now, why in a book about um, financing little and no money down, why do you cover wholesaling? Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure, sure. So wholesaling, the reason I, I you know, I wrestled with the idea, do I include it or not? Because wholesaling, technically speaking, is not really real estate investing. Uh, because the idea, for those people who don't know what wholesaling is, it's the idea that you go out and find a really great, great deal. You put it under contract and then you find an investor who's got cash to buy that contract from you. So I might get a deal on a property in, you know, downtown Detroit for $5,000. And I'm going to go, I'm going to go to you, Mike, and say, Mike, I got this deal for $5,000. Uh, but you know, what? I want to sell to you for $8,000. So I mean, I'm going to sell to you basically for three and you're going to buy it for, for eight total. And so I get to keep the difference. You're paying eight. I'm buying it for five. I get the $3,000 difference. That's the idea of wholesaling. Now there's some, you know, legal ways to actually make that transaction happen. But the, the overarching theme, that's what you do. You find a great deal, put it under contract sell it to somebody. So when I looked at the book on, you know, working on this book on no money down, uh, I realized the reason I decided to put it in there is because that way is so wholesaling is so popular with new investors. Everybody thinks that that's the way to get started. Now, I actually don't think it's the way to get started. I think it's a way to get started, uh, but I don't even usually recommend it to most people to get started because I think it's very, very difficult. And I think- By the way, I, I want to interrupt you real quick. Go ahead. I, I am usually in the minority with this opinion, but you and I are in the same page nice. with this. I am the same way. I don't think it's the best way and it's not certainly not the easiest way to get started. So go ahead. Yep. I just want to say, I'm so, I love to <laughs> say that because I am always alone in a room when I say that, but that's okay, funny. Go ahead. It is. It's, it's it's preached as the the way to get in, and and I see it. I mean, I get messages every single day, probably several of them, of people who say I want to start wholesaling, but they don't know what a deal is. They don't know what 
uh, you know, what, what prices are, what things are worth. They don't know nothing. I mean, they don't know anything. So, uh, th- the reason I included the book and the, the chapter in here is because if you're going to get started and if you want to do wholesaling, which is a way to get started, you might as well learn how to do it right. You might as well not pick up little bits and pieces that you heard from some late night TV guy. You know, this is how you do it. This is what actual wholesaling is. And I wanted to show that this is not easy. It is a, it is a job. It is a business. The people that I see succeed at wholesaling are, are salespeople, to be honest. They're people who worked a sales job, you know, selling shoes at a store or whatever it is they, they sold because that is what wholesaling is. It's about selling yourself, selling your company, selling your ideas uh, to motivated sellers. And, uh, you know, so that's why I put it in the book is assuming that people are going to do it anyway. Uh, It is a good way if you need to, if you need to make some quick cash and if you're good at it, you can make good money as a wholesaler. And so you might as well do it right. Yeah. And I think wholesaling is something you know, there's a difference between wholesaling a property and being a wholesaler. Anyone can find a yeah. good deal, stumble upon a good deal, find someone who's willing to buy it and assign the contract or whatever, however, whatever mechanism they use for getting that to the investor. But to do it systematically time and time again and be successful, you have to know a lot. Yep. And, and frankly, you have to know more than you do to flip houses and you have to find better deals than a house flipper would. It's difficult to do well. So there's a difference between doing it and kind of like stumbling through it and kind of getting lucky here and there and like making it a business. If you want to make it a business, it, it's it's really it's really hard. It's, it it's really not easy to do. Yep. Um, it can be done for sure, and people do it. But I think you know, I think some of the best wholesalers are, like you said, people who are comfortable selling. But it's also I find people who have flipped a decent amount of properties, so they understand how to find deals. They understand what it's going to cost to to renovate them. Because when you're a wholesaler, if you can't tell a prospective investor what it's what it will cost to to renovate it and what the ARV will be. Well, you know, you're, you're forcing them to do a lot of work that, that they probably shouldn't have to do if you're really doing a good job on your end. So a good wholesaler will find a deal. They'll tell them what it's going to cost to renovate it. They'll tell them what all the fees are going to be, and they'll tell them what they should be able to sell for at the end and what their profit would be if they do so. And if your numbers are pretty close, like you say even in the book, they don't have to be perfect. But if you're pretty close, you're doing a huge service, and people are going to seek you out, and you're going to be successful. If you tell someone that the ARV is going to be two hundred thousand, when in fact it's going to be one hundred and fifty at best, yep. and you tell them it's going to cost ten thousand dollars to renovate, it's really thirty thousand. Like you're, you're going to have no credibility, and they're not even going to bother reading your emails anymore or whatever you're sending them because you just don't know what you're talking about. So it's it's hard to do well. But I like that you cover it here, and you cover it very thoroughly how to be a, a really good wholesaler. So I, I almost look at that as like a bonus chapter. Like, yeah. hey, here's how to invest little to no money down. And oh, by the way, if you're going to try to wholesale, which is a way of sort of investing with no money. I mean, like you said, it's not traditional investing, but you can make money without putting money into it, I guess. And, and that's sort of what the book is about. It's almost like a bonus. Like, hey, here's a here's an advanced kind of a strategy that you can do. But if you're going to do it, here's how you do it. And, yeah. and I love that. I love that. Well, you know, one thing more to add is another reason I wanted to keep it in there too is when you're when you're good at finding good deals, um, you know, when you're out there, you know, wheeling and dealing, doing your marketing, whatever you're doing to find good deals, there's going to be a lot of properties you're going to come across that just don't fit your model. You might not be able to get the no money down financing that you wanted, or it might be in a location you don't want. So rather than throwing those leads away, you might as well try to wholesale them. If you if you're good enough at getting the deal, maybe somebody else will want it. And and that's another reason I want to include it here because the the whole book, I mean, really, if you sum it up, it's about tools and not like a hammer, nail and saws, you know, things like that. But it's about 
having a toolbox of strategies that you can use in your business uh, to make money in real estate. And so on this one deal, you can do this. On this deal, you can use this one. On this one, you can wholesale. This one's going to be a seller finance deal. The more tools you have in your toolbox, the greater you know project you can take on. And I think that's kind of a, a, a sum up of the whole idea. This isn't like, you know, how many no money down, you know, books have been written or whatever. And it's always like, here's the way you should do it. Here's the yeah. one strategy that works. Well, yep. no, like every deal is different. Every deal I've ever done has been drastically different from the, from the next. So right. just build your toolbox and you'll be fine. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that is a, a, a fantastic place for us to stop because you summed it up perfectly. You know, I, like I said, I, I jokingly said it, but I have to uh, grudgingly admit I really don't read a lot. So uh, <laughs> I'm busy. And it sounds like one of those things people say, I really don't read a lot. So when I was on your show and I had to talk about like the books that I've read, like business books, <laughs> it, it, it was a struggle for me. I mean, I, I mentioned ones that I'd read, but I mean, frankly, some of them I'd read years ago. So yep. I, I'm not a big book reader, but I, I read a, a large chunk of this and I'm still working on it. I haven't stopped. But the, the point here is, is that there is a ton of information here. It's all good information. There's no, th this book isn't fluff. It's not filled with a lot of like, you know, filling your head with wild dreams and hopes and things that aren't going to happen. It's great information. It's down to earth information and it's, it's super actionable. I mean, there's so much good stuff in here. Like I said, I was, I was at first skimming through the stuff that I didn't know about to see, you know, just to kind of learn more. But now I'm going back and reading the stuff that I quote do know about and I'm learning things there too. So it, just a great read. You're not going to read it, you know, in two hours like a pamphlet. It's not like that. I mean, this is like there's a lot of substance here, guys. So I don't rec. I've never recommended a book on my show in 240 episodes. I'm recommending this book. I think that they should go and check it out. And it's not going to be out at the time that this airs. But if you go to juststartrealestate.com forward slash no money, that's my cool little uh, after the slash here. Go to juststartrealestate.com forward slash no money and you can pre-order the book. It'll redirect you to a place where you can pre-order the book. And as soon as it's available, and it will be available, I think, within a week or two of this uh, going live. So yep. it'll definitely come. You're not going to have to wait till Christmas time or anything. Although I think Brandon <laughs> feels sometimes like it's going to take till Christmas time. But uh, he's been working a long time on this. And But if you go there and, and go to that uh, address... Uh, you will be able to pre-order. So I suggest that you do that. Grab a copy of it, get it, and start reading it. If you're new to real estate investing, this is going to answer so many questions. And I get a lot of these questions too. So quite frankly, this is going to be a resource for me. When people email me and ask me about something regarding financing that I really don't know, I'm going to go to the book and, and I'll, I'll for sure give you credit, but I'm going to go to the book and, and uh, hopefully find the answers to their questions because I get a lot of these all the time too. And I know you do as well. So great resource. I appreciate you being on, Brandon. I mean, super generous with your time. And uh, I know this book's going to be a huge success. So good luck to you. Congratulations. And uh, and thanks for coming on and talking about it. I appreciate it. I know my audience is going to get a lot out of it. Hey, well, thank you very much. I really appreciate the, uh, you know, the interview. This was great. All right, man. No problem. No problem. And uh, I'm sure I'll be talking to you soon, Brandon. But like I said, everybody, go out there and get the book. Check it out. Let me know what you think. Give me your feedback. Give Brandon your feedback. And uh, I will talk to you soon, buddy. All right. Hey, thank you. All right, bud. Bye-bye. All right, guys, I had a lot of fun doing that interview with Brandon. He is really a good guy, very smart investor, and the book is is incredibly high quality, a lot of, lot of great information. So definitely go check it out. All right, guys, if real estate investing is really something that you want to do, if you're really passionate about it and you really want to make a go of it, there really is only one way to make that dream a reality. Just start. <laughs> 